Welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a hopeful and helpful resource from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church in Utah. Each week, we will be hearing from our staff as we explore what makes SMCC unique, as well as what it means to be fully devoted and fully delighted in Jesus Christ. We hope this podcast can be a helpful resource for you to take your next step with Jesus. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. My name is Adam, and I get to serve as the pastor of Central Ministries here at SMCC. So glad to have you with us today. I've got uh, two guys here that, uh, if you're familiar with our podcast, you already know, but they're sitting on either side of me. Uh, pastor Eric, who's our lead pastor. Pastor Trevor, who's our pastor of teaching discipleship. And man, we are going to be jumping in just a minute into baptism today. So Yeah, I'm excited. Excited for the podcast. Uh, I got to pick Trevor up today. We carpooled in, listened to mm-hmm. a podcast. I said so, I was jealous. You guys should have texted yeah, me. Yeah, I know. We could have come, you. got you. You're way out of the way, but you know, just for the <laughs> it sake been of the fun, experience. <laughs> yeah, riding in the car good. with us is yeah. very fun. Um, but we li- we're listening to a podcast and, uh, you know, I think that's cool. We listen to them. We, there's this one. One. Um, and I just love that uh, you can engage with wonderful content all across these uh, different podcast platforms. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that our listeners are finding finding their ways. I hear people all the time are talking about when they listen to it at work or mm-hmm. driving in the car and stuff. And so I think it's cool that we get to provide this content, uh, you know, a little bit more Monday through Friday for people. Yeah. And it's great. And I, um, I was just in St. George over the weekend, a uh, wonderful week at, weekend at that campus, um, 13 baptisms, which we're going to talk about today. That's cool. our topic for today's podcast is, um, is baptism and a little bit of communion. I want to talk about that, but, uh, um, meeting people that people down there constantly who are mm. listening to the podcast up here and engaging and diving deeper. And so I, I hope this is a, a valuable tool uh, for our church. Yeah. And I hope, uh, you know, I was just talking to somebody at uh, our South Jordan location just on Sunday, his uh, work schedule, he's a, he's a flight attendant. So he's mm. gone all the time. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think about people with work schedules like that. And I think, man, you know, make sure if that's you and you're just having consistent weekends, but want to stay connected to SMCC, Subscribe to us on YouTube mm-hmm. so you can watch. Or if you're a podcast person more like me, I'd rather just listen than sit down and watch it. Then go make sure that you're subscribed to our Messages podcast as well. So we have two. This one, Fully Delighted Podcast and the Messages podcast. And then uh, you can take that with you through mm-hmm. the week. Yep. No matter exactly. what happens. So Exactly. And so this, you know, we're about to wrap up our series on the Doctrine of SMCC. We have this podcast and then one more. Uh, next week, but I uh, really hope this uh, sort of lives in a library format for people to come back to over the years and listen and engage. I know I'll come back to it as I refresh and refine my thoughts on these things, but uh, pretty excited about that. And so today we're in the seventh one. Yep. It's uh, it's all about baptism. Um, you know, I think this is an interesting um, one to talk about because I just want to set up the conversation and dive into the doctrinal statement itself and then break it down throughout the biblical text, but, um, you know, we live in a culture that's not um, all that fascinated with the sacred, so to speak, you know what I mean? And, and by sacred, it's like, you know, these elements, these symbols, these objects that somehow connect us to the divine, right? If you grew up in more of a high church setting, it seems like there are more sacred symbols mm-hmm. or objects. Um, yeah. And, you know, in the evangelical world, um, the non-denominational world, there are really only two that really fit into um, these ordinances, not not necessarily even sacraments, but ordinances, these, these uh, uh, kind of 
ordained things that we are to do in the mm-hmm. church, and communion and baptism are those things. And so, obviously, churches have a bunch of different approaches to these things. But before we get into that, I do want to draw um, people's attention to the fact that in a culture like ours, that's sort of um, you know sh- has stripped away some of the the sacred, kind of moving to a secular culture, really, Mm -hmm. um, that people still live into symbolism and tradition. Um, And I think you see that a lot. Like at the Atlanta Braves uh, baseball game, there's the chants that people have done for years, right? Or when you go to a sporting event, you wear a jersey to symbolize you're connected to that team. Um, If you text with an emoji, you know what symbolism is and how one picture represents a large concept or thought. And yeah. and I think while baptism and communion, um, you know, initially look to some like perhaps these strange religious things, um, they're uh, sort of even like these icons, like what is there actual power in the water? Is there power in the wafer? You know, like there, we can have a lot of those conversations, but I still think there's a place in the human experience where objects, objects matter because they symbolize something, they connect us to something. And even in a secular culture, those things uh, still exist. And so I think coming, kind of sitting at the table with uh, just being aware of that helps us yep. dive into this topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go ahead and just make sure everybody's on the same page with our doctrinal statements for this week. I'll read uh, number seven. So we've got eight. We're on second to the last one here. Uh, it says this. We believe that baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality, demonstrating that a person has a new life in Jesus Christ and the recognition of the living presence of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. I think uh, I want the listener to know this. I talked about this in St. George. I've been baptized twice. Anybody? Have you been baptized more than once? No, I've Just only been once? baptized How about you, Trevor? Well, are you talking water <laughs> baptism? <or? laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, I am talking water. Yeah, just once. Just okay. Once. Yeah, yeah I, uh, when I was in St. George, I said, hey, raise your hand if you've been baptized more than once. And like, I would say a good 30% of the room raised their hand. And I was like, extra credit, well done, you know? Yeah. I'm just like, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. But but yeah, I think um, baptism is so interesting because it it is an important part of... Um, church culture. And like in my family, when I was eight, I was baptized. I had very little say in the matter. My parents, I think, thought, well, let's just try this because if it works, great. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, we'll sacrifice a few hours on a Sunday to get Eric baptized because if it works, you know, let's just try everything possible. That's an insurance policy. Yeah, yeah. Get him. <laughs> yeah. Mitigate risk. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but then I was baptized again as a as a believer, it's often said, a believer's baptism, meaning it's a very important uh, symbol and picture of a union with Christ that happens, um, that that is that is publicly displayed uh, after a person trusts Jesus. So right. the salvation process happens the moment someone trusts Jesus, but it's displayed the moment someone is baptized. And so that that I did when I was eighteen in the Lewis River. I was going to ask how old you were. Yeah, yeah I was okay. about eighteen. 18. I. Uh, I didn't know like there was some protocol. Like I just took off my shirt and jumped in the water. Like we were going for a swim. They're like, no, no, that's that's not how it works. So I definitely needed an orientation process. That church didn't help me out with an orientation. I don't think. Um, But anyways, uh, I think a good place to start is just the word baptism itself. Uh, Trevor, just take us through that word a little bit, um, Mm -hmm. because for us, we only hear it in a religious context. If you uh, grew up as a Greek speaker, you would have thought of it differently. 
Yeah. Yeah, I know. When we look back to a first century, we see a first century context, even outside of the New Testament, the word was used of cloth being dipped under water to be dyed a different color. Um, it was used of ships that sunk in the sea, right? That was what happened to them. They were baptized. Um, and so it just has that general meaning of to plunge, to dip, to be immersed in water, right? To go, to go down under, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that's really interesting, the, when you follow kind of the uh, history of... Um, church history, and even the history of kind of Bible translation, the reason we have the word baptism in English is because when the Bible was translated from Greek into, or New Testament from Greek into English, uh, at the time, the current church practices were actually sprinkling. That was how baptism was done. Mm -hmm. It wasn't done full immersion as we do here at SMCC. And so even though the word meant that, they're like, we can't just pick the equivalent because that's not what the church is doing. And... uh, and the thing is, if you look into church history a little bit, uh, there's there's some blood surrounding baptism yeah, uh, in yeah. the way that it played out, and even its connection to when church and state were closely linked, and infant baptism was the church's practice, that was actually the way people became citizens uh, in yeah. a lot of mm. kind of medieval European countries uh, wow. well, around the time of the Reformation, really. Yeah, that um, is fascinating. Yeah, and so they used the word baptism uh, in order to get around picking the actual equivalent. Yeah. And that's why we have it. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of, uh, you know, I like your analogy or, or really just saying more of what it is. It's, you know, a, a cloth being dipped, uh, you know, to dye it or a ship that's, you know, sunken. Yeah. It's, it's like we use that. I mean, people know what baptism is in Western culture, like today in, in the United States, but like, I don't know that there's not as much of that like meaning behind it or like people like are just like, oh, it's just being dipped in water. Yeah. Like we don't use the word in everyday language. Yeah. Right. It's reserved for the religious settings. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's the only context that it's known in. And so it's kind of cool to know that little back piece of of that history there. Yeah. Wow. So I'm, you know, I I haven't studied, you know, this, the history of this. Um, But what I'm hearing you say, Trevor, is that Before there was separation of church and state, when the state ran the church, you had to be baptized into the church to be a part of the state. Exactly. That's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, this is important. So as um, at SMCC, we are a part of a family of churches, and we don't break this down very much because it's, you know, it's it's a loose affiliation, and it's a little confusing, but Mennonites, or the Mennonite brethren, Mm -hmm. uh, comes from uh, a period of a reformation not the not like the german one that you think of but more of an eastern european reformation under uh, a leader named minnow simmons who was a mm-hmm. just evangelical love jesus love the bible type of leader minnow simmons well people who were a part of his community i guess you could say or that culture were called mennonites um sort of a common thing back then to take on the name of the guy you were yeah. following i suppose but i'm glad we don't do that now um uh, although it happens i guess in some places uh but um Mennonites are Anabaptists, which is um, they would baptize for believers and sometimes baptize again. Yeah. And, uh, but that was so punchy, you know, a few hundred years ago. I mean, that, people lost their lives for that. Mm-hmm. But in um, the, the Mennonite family of churches, uh, baptism for Christians, for adult believers, and not infants or children, is, is a, one of the biggest staples of the movement, which for if you're around SMCC, you're like, what's so weird about that? That's how it's always been here. Well, yeah, it's always been that way at SMCC. It has not always been that way mm-hmm. in Christendom. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's good history to understand. It's like you, like, we, like you said, Eric, it's just a context that we only know in religion, especially in recent time. It just means, yeah, it's water and not yeah. much more than that we I, know. Yeah, exactly. And I think the most important thing... Um, 
you know, we'll say a few things and we'll dive into the text, but, you know, we, we made a big deal about this, that baptism is a symbol. And it's mm-hmm. really important when we think about symbolism to realize symbol is not substance. Mm-hmm. Symbol points to something uh, beyond the symbol itself. Symbols help us see that which we can't normally see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so think of like a wedding ring. It's a fitting symbol. It's a symbol that people have made a commitment to each other. Um, but that's the rings aren't the substance. You can give and exchange rings without giving and exchanging a promise in marriage and not be mm-hmm. married. They're just rings. Mm-hmm. And it's very much the same with baptismal water. It's just water. What makes it so important is the picture that the whole world can see or your church family right, can see. Right, right, yeah. And so, um, you know... That, that's what we want to talk about, that symbol is not substance, and uh, we symbolize things all the time, and those symbols are important because they point to something substantial. They point to the substance of the thing, and yeah. we think that the symbol should be a fitting symbol. So when you think of marriage, the ring is circular, which communicates this relationship is ongoing. Uh, rings are typically, not my ring, but my wife's ring <laughs> is very valuable uh, because that relationship is precious and valuable and treasured. It's a precious metal, mm-hmm. um, a ring is, and that, that highlights the preciousness of the relationship. So the symbol should be a fitting symbol. And so that's why the, the method of baptism, the, the process of going about it matters, I think, because yeah. you want the symbol to fit. Also in communion, that's why we don't take like Mountain Dew communion. It seems uh-huh. like a symbol that wouldn't fit the, the, the mm. seriousness of the matter of yeah. this is symbolizing Jesus' blood. And so you, you want it to be a, a symbol that fits. And so we said symbol is not substance. And um, I think the important thing to remember is that when the New Testament talks about baptism, it's using symbolic language. Mm. Into death, now we have life, baptism. Well, we know that the person goes into the water, they're not literally dying mm-hmm. into Christ or being united into his death. What we're seeing is it's a picture of it. So throughout the New Testament, the way the word baptism is used is symbolic, but it's symbolic of something very substantial, something very real. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's a symbol here at SMCC. Yeah, I want to draw out a little uh, something on this, um, a little bit of attention because uh, you you know great analogy that you guys came up with for this, and it's been used before. But the marriage thing, um, I had a friend growing up, first five years of his marriage, he lost his wedding ring like twice. Yeah, well, I lost it three <laughs> times in five years. There, so. Well, there, so you've yeah. got him beat. So you know, you losing that ring didn't. Well, I would take it off to play golf, and then I'd always could not. We don't find need an excuse there. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, but you losing your ring did not then disqualify your. Yeah. marriage, right? There's more to exactly. it. At the same time, there's a tension to hold that the symbol must be fitting. I think that's a good way to describe mm-hmm. it. So we must have some sort of, could I say, honor for yes. the symbol. So there's that tension that we're pulling because I've had people even here at different campuses sometimes talk to us and be like, yeah, like, you know, because we're trying to handle the tension. They're like, you kind of are downplaying baptism. And it's like, well, well we're trying to help you make sure it's clear, uh-huh. right? So we're trying to say it doesn't save you. And yet, yep. it's important. It's very important. So, like, yeah. there's a tension to hold. And, and that's and that's a fine line. Yeah. yeah. If my, when my wife's like, "You lost your wedding ring again," like, that, it's not the marriage is over, but mm-hmm. it's like, come on, like, uh, you should <laughs> protect that because sure. you protect this thing called marriage. And and I think you make a great point. Yeah, baptism is not a condition of salvation. You don't mm-hmm. have to be baptized to get saved. It's a celebration of it. But mm-hmm. that celebration matters. If I miss the celebration of my child, their birthday, mm-hmm. uh, they oh, don't wow. cease to be yeah. my kid. But certainly it tells me something about uh, something's lacking in the relationship. Ooh, that's good. And, and um, 
you know, baptism, because it's so foreign in our world, like, you know, it, when I say our world, I say, you know, Western culture. Western culture is not a culture that has a lot of sacred aspects to it. Mm-hmm. Being dunked in water and going through that process can seem to some like a tradition. It's like, are we really holding on to that tradition? I mean, SMCC is not a very traditional church, except in those two ways of baptism and communion. Mm-hmm. But that's not because they're traditions that we prefer. They are ordinances that Jesus has asked us to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's then I think that's the key to all of this, is that Jesus says, go and make disciples in Matthew 28. Uh, and when you do, baptize them. If it's important to him and he's important to us, it should be important to us mm. too. And so even, you know, some people get baptized because they think, I'm going to be a brand new person after I come up out of the water. No, that's not why you get baptized. Yeah. I, I think that um, there is great joy in baptism and great joy in communion. And part of it is because we are preaching the gospel to ourselves again, and we're finding joy and saying, man, I've done what Jesus has asked me to do. That should bring joy into my life. Mm. And so... Um, you know, I'm, we're not going around saying, you haven't been baptized, I'm going to command you to do it. We're going around saying, you haven't been baptized, are you a Jesus follower? Well, you know what he says about baptism. I think you should, you should take that next step. Not because I want you to, or not because mm-hmm. SMCC says you have to, yeah. um, but because Jesus has said this is, this is what a Jesus follower should do. That's, yep. that's why I think every Christian should be baptized. The Bible says that. Mm-hmm. Well yeah. said, well yeah. said. So um, maybe we could get into a few of the texts that talk about uh, baptism. Um, so I already mentioned Matthew 28. Jesus says, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, which we do. Uh, I just saw 13 times in St. George, mm-hmm. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we are doing that. We talked to the message about Jesus' baptism and why he was baptized, which helps us understand once again it is a symbolic thing. I think mm-hmm. if you think the water is what washes your sins away, and then you take that and apply it to Jesus' baptism, you get super confused. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's far more of an identification thing. He, he identifies with the sinner when he was baptized in the Jordan. We identify with the Savior when we are baptized in water now. Yeah, you see that identify. Mm-hmm. It's like a substitution process in baptism, mm-hmm. an identification thing. You see the exchange, mm-hmm. so to speak. And so... We have that in Acts chapter 2, Peter says, uh, preaches this kind of sermon and uh, says, get baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And that for we talked about is not a, not a F-O-R word, a for of, um, hey, get, get baptized so that you're forgiven. It's get baptized because you already are forgiven. And the mm. word for can work in both of those ways in context. And the rest of the Bible lets us know how to best interpret that word for. So we see all that. Trevor, what else do we see? Yeah, well, um, kind of... Picking on the passages that we looked at there, um, one other interesting thing to kind of touch on is that, you know, our position, you could call it believer's baptism, going back in that way. Yep. There's also another position within kind of Protestant evangelical churches that's called the covenant position. And sometimes uh, there's a couple passages that they'll look at, and these are sort of justification for, or they are justification for um, the practice of infant baptism. So one of those is uh, looking at Acts chapter 16, verses 29 to 31 talking about Paul um, with the Philippian jailer who's mm-hmm. converted, and Paul makes the statement to him that, uh, that basically this promise is for you and your household, that you'll be saved if you believe in Jesus, you and your, in your household. And uh, sometimes the, the understanding is taken, well, his household must have included children, maybe even, maybe even infants, right? And, and so, of course, we should, you know, I think he's baptized, he's baptized right after that, so the whole household, so mm-hmm. we should practice baptism for everyone. Uh, but it's an argument from silence because we really have no idea who actually made up the household 
um, in some ways, that was an extension to, uh, you know, the servants who would have worked in the household as well. And I think, I think in some ways, it's um, looking at, you know, they would have been baptized in response to faith. All that to say, that's one of the passages. Another one is Colossians 2. Um, that talks about it like this, saying, uh, Colossians 2, verses 11 to 12, saying, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of, or circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him and baptized, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead, right? It's kind of talking about baptism there in the same lens as Romans 6, that it's symbolic of us being united with Jesus, dying to who we used to be before him, raising to this newness of life in him. But there's a connection to circumcision that, that Paul draws a little bit there, right? This is really the only place that we see that. So the covenant position will say that in the same way that circumcision was a marker of the covenant, the relationship that God had with the people of Israel in the Old Testament, uh, that that baptism is that same marker in the new. And the reason that that extends to infants and to children is not because they've actually believed and have been brought into the, the family of God yet, mm-hmm. but because um, they're being raised within a family where they're exposed to the gospel and they're being raised to understand it, being raised with opportunities to know and love and follow Jesus. And there's a very good chance that they will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at SMCC, you know, we're aware of when a baby comes into a family, this is, a, this is an important moment. And we as a church want to walk with families through the biggest seasons of their lives. Um, and so uh, what churches like ours have done, who have a symbolic approach to baptism and also a, a, an understanding of baptism that it's for Christians, for those who have stepped across the line and trusted Jesus, we offer uh, a child dedication moment. It's sort of, mm-hmm. it's sort of um, our way of saying baptism is not appropriate in this setting, but what is is for a mom and dad to uh, make a commitment not for their kids, but to their kids mm-hmm. and to their church family about raising them in an environment where it's highly likely that they'll know God, which that is why my parents baptized me at eight. It was mm. for that same purpose. Yeah. Baptism is just not probably the best word or the clearest uh, next step yes. for a mom and dad who want to honor God with their kid. Yeah, That's why child dedication is a better next step because baptism is reserved for uh, someone who has personally made the decision on their own, who understands yeah. symbolism, who understand the gospel, and have said, I want to unite my life with Christ. I've already done that. Now baptism is just a picture that I've made that decision. Yeah, yeah. so going back to it just quickly on that, you used the word before, a fitting symbol. This yeah. is fitting too. Saying, hey, you know, well, we're going to have you on stage. We're going to pray for you. We're going to mm-hmm. you know, bring your child up with you. Like, you know, there's something symbolic to that standing before the church and saying, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that that's fitting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very fitting symbol. Now, you read from Acts uh, 16, was it, right? Yep, 16, yeah. 29. It, yeah. So, you know, throughout the book of Acts, we see baptism happening. It was like the early church leaders did not wait to take Jesus seriously on Matthew 28. They went for it, you know? And in uh, Acts chapter 8, this you see this wonderful uh, episode of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. So uh, this Ethiopian eunuch's traveling along. Philip shows up, explains the gospel to him. He accepts the gospel. It's explained from uh, Isaiah, which is wonderful, preaching the gospel from the book of Isaiah. Um And then this is what happens next, verse 36 of chapter 8. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way 
rejoicing. And so I went on my way from St. George rejoicing after, after Sunday Absolutely. because nice. of what we got to see. But, but I think what's interesting to remember if you read the book of Acts is there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to the baptism process for these people. Uh, you see households getting baptized, which probably implies that the leader of the household had shared the gospel with everybody. And I, my guess is that everybody maybe just accepted Jesus. That's my, mm-hmm. yeah. that's my simple reading of, of that. Yeah. But in the Ethiopian eunuch story, he gets baptized within, what, maybe minutes or hours of accepting Jesus, mm-hmm. which is really cool as well. So you see these different aspects uh, of um, the, let me see, the... A person's journey with Jesus, you see these different aspects that all lead to baptism eventually, but not in the same way. And I think that's interesting because at SMCC, uh, sometimes we baptize people, they've been a Christian for one week. Sometimes it's been 50, 60 years and they finally yeah. decide to get baptized. Yeah. And, uh, and that's just interesting to me. The reason that's possible is that it's because it's not a condition of salvation. Um, it's a fitting next step. And we say we honor the process in which people are changed from the inside out. We honor the time frame and the speed at which they take the next step. And so we encourage that next step. And yet we allow people to take it when they're ready. And sometimes that's weeks and sometimes that's decades um, around baptism. So anyways, I think that's really important. Um, The other thing that we talked about in the sermon is what are we picturing? Um, What is this a picture of when someone is dunked? And there's a lot of passages like in Romans uh, Romans 6, Galatians that talk through the picture. Trevor, why don't you just set up that picture for us, and then we'll look at a couple of those passages. What is this? What are we seeing when someone's baptized? Yeah, yeah. The picture really is of a person being united with Jesus, right? That we are, uh, you are united with him at the moment of faith when we believe. And Romans 6, what it's describing is, you know, Paul's anticipating this rebuttal because he's gone, he's done a lot of work in chapter 5 to set up how Jesus is greater than Adam, just as mm-hmm. sin, rebellion against God, trespasses multiplied exponentially through Adam, grace multiplied to an even greater degree through Jesus. And then he, you know, he asked that question, well, should we sin more then in order to honor Jesus? Like, should I continue to mismanage my funds to increase the generosity of others? Should mm-hmm. we do that? Yeah. And uh, he's like, no, absolutely not. And then the reason he gives is baptism. He says, because if you remember your baptism, if you remember what it means, essentially, when you went under the water, it was symbolic of you being united to Jesus in his death and burial, meaning you died to who you used to be, the life that you used to live, and you were raised into this newness of life that is now marked by his joy, by his grace, by his love. And so the way that we honor him, the way that we glorify him now, uh, isn't through disobedience, through increasing his grace in that manner, but it's through uh, living in a way that honors him, that respects him, that communicates love to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this. Um, Sometimes Jack, my son, likes to imitate me with my golf swing or with hockey. And of course, I'll watch people and go and try to do what they did. You know, it's like try to act it out. You know, you look up to these people and you want to identify with them and connect with them. So you want to do what they did. Well, as a Jesus follower, I'm not going to go nail myself to a cross. That would be really strange and very uncomfortable. Like you wouldn't wouldn't want to do that. Um, Although there are some kind of places around the world where that does happen as a reenactment of the gospel. It seems that the best reenactment of the gospel is from death to life. And mm. so that is a wonderful thing for us, that, yeah. that we are sort of reenacting our salvation, if you will, mm-hmm. um, is that the moment anybody trusts Jesus, the death to life process happens instantaneously by the miraculous work, saving power of God. Yeah. Um, 
But because that's on the inside, which people can't see, it's helpful to reenact it publicly or declare it publicly through the waters of baptism. And so, you know, if I'm, just go back to the wedding illustration, the wedding ring. If I am not wearing my wedding ring and I'm out in public, and maybe I don't do this, but out at a bar, you know, people don't know, can't tell that I'm married. It's on the inside. It's a commitment and promise I've made to Carissa. The ring helps me see it, helps others see it, sort of reenacts my vows. There was a day that we exchanged rings, and now when I wear a ring every day, it's as if I'm restating the covenant, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's uh, an important um, thing to remember when it comes to baptism. So in Galatians, Mm -hmm. we see a very similar thing. So in Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith. This is Galatians 3, verse 26. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So clothed clothed is another uh, sort of metaphor um, Mm. where we see we've put on Christ, right? What's what's true of him and now his righteousness and mm-hmm. uh, his holiness is, is true of us in terms of our status and standing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean sinless. It, it means, um, like in Romans 6, that I've lost my allegiance to sin, not my ability to sin. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so that's well, all, all that we're seeing is how this symbol is very fitting and very appropriate for the gospel. I was. It's so funny. I was just going to say that because I, I think your analogy is correct, right? Like, would not be. It would not seem to be fitting or appropriate if we said, "Hey, when you um, trust in Jesus, and now we're going to reenact." Just be strange, right? To reenact the crucifixion, right? Because really, the more important part of our allegiance to Jesus was that He died, He was dead, uh-huh. and then showed He had power over death and yep. resurrected. So, yeah. at the core of it, that's the core piece, uh-huh. and it's appropriate. Uh, how about, you know, dunk you underwater, yep. symbolize that you were buried and then risen to life. There yeah, we I mean, go. Appropriate and fitting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. Yeah. We're not acting that out. Yeah, thankfully. Right. But yeah. yes, <laughs> but we, we have been united with him in his death. And then, yes. of course, water has more, you know, um, and Trevor, you drew this out in the message. You know, water has symbolic meaning in other ways as well. Um, it's washing, it's purifying. Mm-hmm. God saved his people through redemptive history, through the waters of the Red Sea and the Jordan. And so mm-hmm. water is a is a wonderful part of this too. You yep. know what I mean? Instead of putting somebody under some dirt and bringing them out of the dirt, <laughs> that would not be maybe as fitting of a symbol. So what you have is baptism. And, of, and so it happened in the Old Testament, the water stuff. Um, and yeah. then, of course, John the Baptist already has this. Uh, understanding when he's baptizing people in the Jordan, and so mm-hmm. and Jesus participates, and so I think when you put all the pictures together, water is a fit, fitting symbol. Immersion, all the way under, all the way up, is a fitting symbol uh, of of the gospel. It's the best reenactment of what happens inside of a human heart, and we can't see that. But remember, symbols help us see that which we can't see because it's on the inside, and it makes it clear on the outside. And baptism is doing that, and so that's why we do it as much as possible at SMCC. Yeah. All right. I got a, I got a practical question right, let's for hear both it. of you. Because, uh, yep. Adam, you um, growing up in the church, uh, I'm curious yep. kind of what, how this played out for you. Yep. And then, Eric, I know you've got you got kids. And yep. so mm-hmm. uh, thinking through, you know, raising kids in, to mm-hmm. understand the gospel, um, you know, wanting them to follow Jesus, how do you kind of work through, like, when is the right time for mm-hmm. kids to be baptized? That's a great question. Well, I think they should first know how to say the word. Because my kids call it baptized, and as long as they're calling it baptized, I don't think they're probably ready. Yeah, probably so let's ready. start with that. Yeah. Um, you know, the the other thing too is is I I want my kids to be able to define symbolism. 
So Nora and Jack, what's symbolism? And Nora knows what symbolism is. She's mm-hmm. 10. Um, she's not pushing to get baptized. I'm not pushing her to get baptized. What I've seen more often than not is people say to me, even those who were raised in gospel-centered churches, I wish I would have waited. It would have had mm-hmm. more meaning. And I think, um, I think that waiting process uh, allows for the baptism moment to be a, a real celebration. Now, I don't think, um, I don't want someone thinking, yeah, I'm still waiting. I'm 47, been following Jesus 30 years, still waiting because it'll be more powerful. Yeah. No, there is a moment where it's not going to be any more powerful than doing it right now. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. There's yeah. no more reason to wait. But I think with our, with our kiddos, uh, as I look at the world that we live in, um, their decision to follow Jesus truly becomes theirs when they're faced with it, when, when they're free to not follow him yes. in, in a way. And I think that uh, as long as my kids are in my home, I still have an authority over them to help them. And until they're on their own, um, you know, making their own decisions, um, you know, and that, and that happens on a sliding scale. It's not black it and white. Yeah, yeah. Right. So um, certainly if Nora came to me today and said, hey, Dad, I want to get baptized, I would ask her questions that I would ask anybody. Mm-hmm. And if I, and if I'm like, no, those 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 answers match with what the Bible says. You know, what do what are your leaders in kids ministry think, Nora? Mm-hmm. Do they think you're ready? I'd want to lean on others too. Yeah. I don't want it to just be a dad thing. Um, then then I'd probably move forward with it. But I'm not pushing it because I know that Nora's going to be faced with some major challenges in life. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. what we see probably more often than not is more people get baptized and then walk away from Jesus. Yeah. I, that that kind of breaks my heart. I don't want to see that yeah. happen. That that. Who knows? There's a lot of reasons for why that could take place, but one of them could be they were baptized when they weren't ready. Yeah. So I I hope that then uh, my experience to answer your question, Trevor, is helpful to parents. Um, So full context, yeah, I mean, basically have been uh, attending church pretty much my whole life. And I was baptized when I was five um, in a Southern Baptist church. I have pictures of it still. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I'll say this, it wasn't I don't think it was wrong, quote, to to baptize to have me baptized at the time. I know at that time I had a very infantile elementary understanding mm-hmm. that I needed Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like I could, okay, this is, you know, in, in the most yeah. Yeah, infant way I could. That's sure. the way to describe it. Now, I do remember also saying that when I was about 13 or 14, I can't remember which, I think it was 13 because I think I was still in middle school at the time. Um, <clears throat> I remember having a much better grasp and understanding how this decision changes the trajectory of my life and thinking at that time, this, this would be a great time to get baptized, mm-hmm. um, at 13. And I, and I don't think there's any fixed number to it, but I just know in that stage of life, you're starting yeah. to see some diverging paths, friends, choices. Yep. And so then being like, Oh, so this is a decision I have yeah. to make. Yep. I hope that's helpful. Yeah, to yeah. I feel like, you know, and from my perspective, it's like anybody, I'm not saying anybody who gets their teenagers baptized made a bad decision or whatever, but yep. it's not you getting your teenager baptized. It's them making that own decision. Yes. And I think there's so many factors at play that I can't sit here and say, you know, never until this age or not before this. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if we can do that, but yeah. but certainly um, there, are, there are a few things worth considering. And I think at the very least, if you're child doesn't understand symbolism, then your child can't understand baptism and they're too, mm-hmm. it's, it's too early. So that's, yep. that's how I talk about it. Um, but, but also, you know, I've met moms and dads who have a, a misunderstanding of baptism as if it is a condition for salvation. Mm-hmm. And those moms and dads therefore then push for their kids to get baptized. 
And I don't think that's a healthy approach either. Yeah. And so um, it's kind of like um, playing it by ear, right? Like I'm just waiting to see. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm leading my kids in the gospel all the time. I want them to trust Jesus. Um, and yet that doesn't mean they need to get baptized quickly either. And um, so it's yeah. kind of a um, more of a watch, honor the process type of thing mm-hmm. yeah. than find the um, the right uh systematic approach right. i think is kind of how i'm how i think of it so yeah anyways well let's begin to wrap up um communion fits into the, the same concept i mean you can almost just take out baptism bring in communion mm-hmm. what's the symbol mm-hmm. well yeah i'm receiving into my life um i'm mm-hmm. uh taking it in deeply you know we eat it which is a little mm-hmm. bit strange but it's mm-hmm. a fitting symbol for receiving this into my life yeah. finding yeah. nourishment from this mm-hmm. yeah. of course it was a meal in which jesus enacted this and so that mm-hmm. makes sense that it's once again, sort of this this symbol of a meal that that's food. Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's you know bread and wine or whatever you know food and drink. Um, and so it's a it's a fitting symbol in that Jesus, you know, and, and in some ways it's probably more clear. I mean, do this in remembrance of me. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to remember him when I do this. It's not actually him, but I'm remembering what he did when I reenact this this farewell supper. Yeah, in mm-hmm. this way, and so communion yeah. fits in that same thing once again—not a condition of salvation, but a very important part of celebrating your salvation. Mm-hmm. So they're both—they're both in the same camp there. Um, you know, I think too, we try to clear up some misconceptions that you know, baptism is not a good work. That you know, at the end of the at the end of your life, you know, well, I got baptized three times, so hopefully that outweighs the sin in my life. You know, and I, <laughs> the scales are tipped in my favor, or. The water literally erases my sin. No, that literally happens when you trust Jesus. He does that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it just kind of clears up um, the symbol approach, making making, uh, it very clear it's a celebration, clears up some of the misconceptions about getting into the water. You know, it's, it's, is, it, is it a fresh slate? No. Jesus offers you a fresh slate when you trust him, your new creation in Christ. That moment that you say yes to him, the water is celebrating and looking back to that. So yeah. I think that's, this kind of clears up a few things. So maybe we'll leave it with that. Anything else, guys? No, I think this has been really, uh, hopefully, helpful. I like to think it's helpful. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you guys did a great job on Sunday with the message. And so, yeah, if you haven't listened to that message yet, go oh, listen to it. Should we say this maybe? If um, if you were, you know, if you're at SMCC, if you listened to the sermon this past weekend or... Um, you know, if you're at a place where you're a believer and you haven't yet, if you trusted in Jesus but haven't yet been baptized, we want to encourage you to consider that process to take that next step. And yeah, absolutely. And, and, and what the simplest way that you would just do it and find, you know, some really good questions in this form that we have for baptism is you can you can visit smccutah.org/baptism and uh, and find that form, and that would even just be helpful or prompting. And again, even with the child thing, if you look through that form and you're like, I'm not sure my child could probably answer some of these questions yeah might be a good barometer to, to yeah help here's an example one of them is what convinced you that christianity was true and uh you know i could see jack saying something like well my dad told me so <laughs> okay that's that's da- dad you know yeah dad loves you and wants to sh- yeah. share truth with you and lead you into truth um but that's not a good enough reason <laughs> yeah right exactly exactly well anyways yeah i'll do, we'll, we'll wrap up here uh just want to thank you guys for listening hope this is hopeful helpful for you if it is you know go ahead and share it with a friend um you know maybe ask for somebody's opinion on it um make sure to leave us a review as well especially if you're on apple podcasts that is like the platform to make sure to leave us a review on um uh, where most of our traffic comes from so we appreciate that 
And if you want to just keep up with us, make sure you're following us on social media too, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, uh, so you can just keep that f- going through your, your feeds during the week. That's helpful for you as well. So we'll see you again for one more week next week. And uh, until then, uh, take care. We'll see you. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed this hopeful and helpful resource, we'd love to have you leave us a review or share an episode with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit us at our website at smccutah.org. Thank you for trusting us with your time, and we look forward to having you back again soon.